Well, if you brought your Bibles tonight, I want to invite you to take them and turn to Psalm 103. And I want to direct our attention tonight just for a few minutes on what I assume is a very familiar text for most of us. Psalm 103 uh, is a psalm of David, and uh, we're not going to take the time to look at the entire psalm, but really just the first five verses, which again are probably the most familiar uh, to us uh, of all the the verses in this psalm. Uh, Look at what it says, Psalm 103, uh, the title in my Bible is Praise for the Lord's Mercies. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I've titled tonight's message, Counting Our Blessings. And uh, that's a familiar phrase that we use, count your blessings, count our blessings. We uh, will often say that to um, ourselves or uh, to others, uh, be, uh, just to remind them to be grateful for the good things that, uh, that they have in their life, um, usually to stop them from complaining <laughs> or to stop us from complaining um, about the bad things that happen in our lives. I think uh, somebody's listening to their, they're actually reading the text over there, that's good. <laughs> we all know it's easy to be grateful when we have a good marriage, when we have good kids, when we have good health, good grades, good job, a good income. But what about when the marriage implodes or our kids rebel or our health deteriorates or we fail the test or lose that job or maybe have to take a cut in our pay? That's typically when we need to, what? Count our blessings. There's a well-known hymn written back in the 1800s called Count Your Blessings. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but let me just read the the lyrics. It says this, When upon life's billows your tempest tossed, when you're discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you're called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will keep singing as the days go by. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings. Wealth can never buy your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, Do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. And then, of course, the familiar uh, chorus. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. I read that song because I think it perfectly captures the heart of David here in these first five verses in Psalm 103. And if you notice, David was commanding himself to count his blessings. And and unlike many other 
of his psalms. We aren't told the specific situation that prompted him to write what he did here. But if I had to guess, I would say it's very likely that he was in some difficult, challenging circumstance that caused him to be downcast, that caused him maybe to be depressed. And as the hymn writer put it, perhaps his life was being tossed by some stormy trial or he was discouraged thinking all was lost or he may have, may have been burdened by some load of care that was causing him to doubt and, and, and threatened to rob him of joy or he was looking at how others were prospering while he was struggling or he may have been uh, in the midst of some conflict that discouraged him, that disquieted his soul. And it's when we're tempest-tossed and discouraged, thinking all is lost, and burdened by that load of care, and focused on the blessings that others are experiencing, and faced with a conflict, great or small, that's when we're most prone to forget the many ways that God has blessed our lives. We get so fixated on our problems that we become blind to all of our blessings, which again, typically leads to complaining rather than praising and thanking God. And sometimes we get so down that it's even hard to talk to God. Have you ever been there? Where it's almost like, I don't want to talk to, to you, God. Well, that's probably when we need to talk to ourselves. And like David here in Psalm 103, we need to remind ourselves of the many reasons we have to be thankful. And when we do, we'll discover, like David did, that the key to experiencing peace and comfort and, and joy and remaining grateful when we're going through all these difficult, challenging times is, is to count our blessings. Now, we know that some, some psalms are, are addressed to God, some to God's covenant people, Israel, and a few are addressed to the psalmist himself. And, and we see a little bit of all that in this psalm, Psalm uh, 103 here, David called to the nation of Israel um, to praise the Lord for his many blessings. He also called to all creation to praise the Lord for his many blessings. Look at verse uh, 22. Bless the Lord all you works of his in all places of his dominion. That's everybody, everything. He's calling all creation to praise and to bless the Lord. But he was mainly calling himself to praise the Lord for the many blessings that he has so graciously and mercifully bestowed on him. Notice again verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 22, the last phrase. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so I just want to focus tonight on David's call to his own soul. To praise and thank the Lord for all that he is and all that he does. And so... We could just break up these five verses into two sections. We see in verses 1 and 2 the commands to praise and thank God. And then we're going to see in verses 3 through 5 the causes to praise and thank God. Let's look first of all at the commands to praise and thank God. Notice he says two times, bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 1, verse 2, he says it again, bless the Lord, O my soul. To bless the Lord means to praise him, to, to thank him, to, to bring delight to his heart by expressing gratitude to him for all that he is and all that he, he does. Again, I mentioned it earlier, nothing pleases us and blesses us more as parents than when our children, without being prompted, say thank you to us for maybe who we are or, or for what we've done for them. Um, our daughter Hannah has 
developed a reputation in our home of, of writing epic cards, whether it's birthday or, or, or anniversary or a Christmas card or whatever. She, she loves making her own cards. Forget about Hallmark. She's got her own little card-making business. And uh, we all love to get her cards because she just expresses the most beautiful things. And it's, it, it typically brings us to tears because they're so precious. But it's such a blessing to read that card as a father, as a mother, as a parent, your child telling you what they love about you, what they appreciate about you. How much more the Lord loves to hear us tell him how much we love him, how much we appreciate him for who he is and what he does. I'll never forget the first time um, I took my boys on a Black Friday shopping spree. Met Junior, of all people there. Junior had already... I think you, you like slept in your car that night, Junior, out in front of, uh, I think it was Target. And uh, Junior kind of has this Black Friday thing down. So if you're interested in, you know, knowing how to get the best deal, just see Junior afterwards tonight. He'll hook, he'll hook you up. He, he just knows how to, how to get it done. But anyway, so we went to Target, and I took my boys, and we woke up really early, and, and we stood in this big, long line. And, 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 and I, I, it was like, this, these were the days when they actually, like, opened at 5 a.m. in the morning. Not like at 5 o'clock the night before on Thanksgiving Eve. That's kind of wrecked it all. Anybody can do that. Anybody can go after eating turkey and go to the store. That's easy. I mean, I got, you got to wake up at 5 a.m., right, to get that. That was Black Friday. I mean, that's the, the, that's the legend of Black Friday, right? So we, we, I woke my boys up, and, and, and we were going to go, and we stood in this long line. And I, the first thing I said is, hey, guys, we're, we're like way like lined up in Conroe, way back in his line. And I said, hey, guys, just know there's people in Russia right now who wait, are waiting in a line like this for, for food, <laughs> for breakfast, <laughs> And, and we're going in to kind of get something we really want, some electronic device or something, right? But just let's keep this in perspective. Uh, America, only in America, right? Um, and so we get in there, and, and Zach had really wanted to get this, this iPod. This is when iPods were coming out. This is, shows you how young our, our, my boys were at the time. They were little. And, uh, and so we were in there, and so uh, we, we were kind of muscling through the crowd, as you have to do there, and, and at least in the old days, Right? When you, when you got there early in the morning and they opened the doors and it was just like this stampede into the store, right? And, and so we, we got in there and we got where we needed to be and we got in line and uh, Zach got what he was looking for and, and Jacob was kind of right by my side because he was a little guy and I didn't want to lose him in the, in the, in the mayhem, right? And uh, so Zach came up, he had his thing and he was about ready to check out. And the, the boys had been, had been begging for an Xbox. This is when Xbox first came out, right? And uh, I didn't tell them anything, what I was going to do. And so Zach was checking out. They thought we were just going to come get this iPod. And I said, hey, why don't you give me one of those Xboxes too? And Jacob, I remember his eyes got so big. He's like, no way. Dad, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, man, it's going down right now. And <laughs> so we got the, the iPod and we got the, we got the Xbox. And we brought it home and they set it up and they just had a ball. And I'll never forget that night when I walked in to say goodnight to Jacob. He was just like, Dad. I can't believe that you did that for us. You're the greatest. And it was just so a, a blessing, right? Here's your kid. It's expressing his appreciation, and it's just, un, you know, just, just gushing forth. And, I can't, and, and again, that's the way we should be with God. Dad, I can't believe you. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you saved me. You didn't have to do that. You're the greatest, God. That's the kind of things that that uh, David was saying that we need to do. He was telling himself to bless the Lord and to do it with his soul. Notice 
David was talking to himself here. Bless the Lord. He doesn't say, oh, nation of Israel, oh, the people of God. No, he says, bless the Lord. Oh my. He's talking to himself. He's exhorting himself. He's commanding himself. He's seeking to, to refocus his own soul and to rouse himself out of whatever maybe apathy or despair that he had fallen into. We're familiar with this concept of talking to ourselves from Psalm 42. This is probably the more familiar psalm when it comes to talking to yourself. This is Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Again, the psalmist there was, was, was talking to himself. Um, I love what it says in, in Lamentations, and in, in, in Jeremiah um, understood what it meant to, to talk to yourself. And he's a great example here in Lamentations chapter 3, where he was sitting there um, looking at the rubble of the, the city of Jerusalem, and God's judgment had been fulfilled on uh, the, the people of Judah and uh, the Babylonians had come and destroyed the entire city and he was sitting there watching the, the smoldering uh, city and, and he said, uh, in, this is Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17, he said, my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished and so is my hope in the Lord. I mean, he was in a, 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 a unhappy, hopeless frame of mind. And then he said, remember my affliction and my wandering and wormwood and bitterness. And then he said this, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. And what was it that he recalled to mind? He said, surely the Lord's loving kindness and deeds never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He was talking to himself, reminding himself of what he knew to be true about God. Paul Tripp has written quite a bit about the subject of talking to yourself. And in one of his blogs, he said this, quote, he said, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. You're going to start thinking like you're crazy, right? It's true. You're in an, un you're in an unending conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, analyzing what's going on inside you and all around you. And his point is simply this, that in a world full of voices vying for our attention, the most influential voice in our life is our own. And we need to learn how to talk to ourselves like David did and like Jeremiah did. And he's saying here, bless the Lord, O my soul. And notice he says, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David commanded not just his soul, but his heart, his mind, his strength, his entire being was to be focused on the Lord. And David wasn't content with half-hearted worship. He didn't want it to be said of him that he worshiped the Lord with his lips, but his heart was far from him. And that's easy for all of us to do, right? When we sing, we read, we pray, it's we, we can just kind of go through the motions without ever engaging our hearts, our minds. We just mindlessly repeat words and phrases that we've sung a hundred times before. That's why it's helpful to have a new song from time to time. It's fresh. It's new. We have to really concentrate on what we're saying. 
Probably one of the best little definitions of worship that I ever came across is this, that worship is simply all that we are responding to all that God is. That's all that worship is. It's all that we are as a, as a person responding to all that God is. And so David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, a second time. And forget none of his benefits. In other words, don't fail to remember our blessings and advantages and bonuses as God's people. And it's interesting that if you look back through the Old Testament, very frequently did God tell his people to remember or to not forget Listen to Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. Speaking to the nation of Israel. Chapter 6, verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you eat and are satisfied, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And then in chapter 8, Verse 11, he says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. And that alone, right? Beware, watch out, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Apparently, God knew that his people would, 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 would have a, a bad case of spiritual amnesia. That our memory, we'd have memory loss. We, we'd forget about all that he has done for us. And so he is constantly warning us and, and encouraging us and exhorting us to not forget, to not remember. There's a reason why I think Jesus ordained communion, the Lord's Supper. He said, do this in what? Remembrance of me. Don't forget the sacrifice that I made for you on the cross. Do this regularly in remembrance of me. And so we see, first of all, the commands to praise and thank God. And now look at the causes, the causes. And David recited five of, uh, of the innumerable benefits and blessings of God that he experienced in his life. First of all, he forgives us when we sin. He forgives us when we sin. Notice he says, who pardons all your iniquities. It's an interesting word, iniquity. It means twisted. It means perverted. We typically don't think of our sins like that, but what he's saying here is that God forgives all the twisted and perverted things that we think, that we say, that we do. And David, uh, he knew a lot about forgiveness. You just need to read Psalm 32, Psalm 51, where he was confessing of sin, his sin of adultery, his sin of, of, of murder. And really, much of what he wrote in those two psalms, he summarized in just two verses here in Psalm 103. Look at verse 10. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. In other words, he hasn't given us what we deserve. 
Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so the first reason we should praise and thank the Lord is because he forgives us when we sin. Secondly, he cures us when we're sick. He cures us when we get sick. Notice he says in verse 3, who heals all your diseases. When we get sick, God causes us to get better. Now, we have to be careful with this phrase because um, some take this as a, as a guarantee that God will heal, heal every disease as long as you have enough faith to believe in, that he will, that he can. And if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. Oh, beloved, that's bad theology. It's simply not true. If you know anything about the story of David, his own sick baby died in spite of all of his prayers and all of his fasting. God chose not to heal his, his sick child. Paul, the apostle Paul, was unable to heal two of his friends and co-laborers, Epaphroditus in, in, in Philippians. Um, he left another man sick, it says, um, in 2 Timothy 4.20, he left one of his co-laborers sick. He, he didn't, Paul had the ability to heal. He could have healed him, but, but he didn't. Listen, there, there's plenty of Christians, committed Christians, godly people who get cancer and die. So the Bible teaches us that God has a, has a special purpose for sickness and, and, and suffering. And so, listen, we believe that God can heal anyone, anytime, in any way he chooses. And when he does, we need to give him the glory. And the point is, God is the source of all healing. If we get sick and God chooses to heal us, right, he gets the glory, he gets the thanks for restoring our health. And so we should thank the Lord because he forgives uh, our sin. He cures us when we get sick. And thirdly, he spares our lives when we're in danger. He spares our lives when we're in danger. Notice he says in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life from the pit, literally death. God rescues us from, from deadly situations and circumstances. And David had many near-death experiences. He was many close calls, accidents, tragedies, all those things that we experience in our lives as well. We don't have time to get into it, but the whole concept of guardian angels, that's an intriguing subject. In fact, if you look here in, in verse 20 of this psalm, bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, you perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Psalm 91, just a, a few pages to the left, listen to the emphasis the psalmist gives to angels here. Psalm 91, verse 11 for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and serpent you will trample down. Listen, we'll never know until we get to heaven how often our lives were spared from premature death by the direct divine intervention of the Lord. My wife's convinced that God has assigned extra guardian angels to me whenever I drive because she can't believe that I haven't been in more accidents um, because she thinks I'm not a good driver. So, well, that may be true, and we'll find out in heaven if that is true, if I had extra guardian angels assigned to me. But 
He spares our lives when we're in danger. And we've all been in situations. I was, uh, some of you guys remember, Payne. Um, his, his mother was here for, for many, many years, Liz Payne, and Brian's a pastor over in, in, in Austin. And, and uh, you may have, if you follow Facebook, you saw his Facebook post, and he was driving down the road, and he said, he said this is what happens when you don't tie down your stuff on top of your car um, going 70 miles an hour. And he showed a picture of a bed frame, just a steel bed frame that had come through his windshield, sticking through his into the passenger seat. And he said if that was two, two feet over, it would have, he would have been shishkebobbed. Uh, just crazy what, what, what could happen in any given day. Wake up in the morning, who knows what's going to happen, right? But we give, that's, that's when you count your blessings, right? Like God is so good, he spared my life. How about this? Number four, he loves us when we need it the most. He loves us when we need it the most. He says in verse four, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Listen, David knew something about crowns. He was a king. But no crown of gold or silver that he wore ever compared with God's love and compassion. And I don't know if there's a better description of God's love and and mercy in the Bible than what David wrote later in the psalm. Notice verse 8. What does he say? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness or mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness or mercy toward those who fear him. Verse 13, just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we're but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And when the wind has passed over, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no more. But the loving kindness or mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children's to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Listen, those of us who honor and obey the Lord are the recipients of God's abounding, matchless, everlasting love. So much to be grateful for, that he loves us when we need it the most. And then finally, number five, he reinvigorates us when we're weak. He reinvigorates us when we're weak. Notice verse five, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies your years, or some translate this, your desires. He satisfies your desires. Listen, God provides for all of our needs, does he not? And at times, he even chooses to fulfill our desires, to make our dreams come true, the, the longings of our heart. Psalm 34, or excuse me, Psalm 37, 4, he gives us the desires of our heart. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and so we are never in need of anything. Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. I love what it says in Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God 
is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and mercy. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, he never holds back. If we live lives of integrity, he gives and he gives and he gives. And he says here in Psalm 103 that he, he fulfills the, satisfies your desires. He fulfills the longings of your heart so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God continues to sustain us and strengthen us so that we remain physically and spiritually vigorous and are able to serve him fruitfully even into old age. He says he renews our youth like the eagle. And eagles are obviously known for their superior strength, their longevity in in contrast to the pelican or the owl or the lonely bird on the rooftop. If you just turn back to the, the, the previous psalm, Psalm 102. Verse 6, I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I become like a lonely bird on a housetop. In other words, an eagle is way better. He, he was describing his affliction in, in Psalm 102. Now he's talking about an eagle. And of course, it reminds us of what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40. This very familiar text, Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? In other words, this isn't fair. God isn't treating me fairly. Where is God? Does he even care? Does he even know? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks mighty increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men Young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength and they will mount up with wings like a pelican? Like a lonely bird on a rooftop? No, he'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. One commentator summarized this psalm with these words. He said, we have here the authentic utterance of a redeemed child of God who piles up words to express his gratitude to the God of grace. What he was implying there, that that this pile of words, that we've been pardoned, healed, redeemed, crowned, satisfied, all of these described The same thing, and that is God's gracious gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Which also means the only ones who can claim these benefits, who can bless the Lord for these blessings, are those who have experienced God's gracious gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're not what that commentator called a redeemed child of God, a Christian, You can't count these blessings, these benefits that David listed here. Among your blessings, all you can do is thank God for food and clothes and cars and houses and jobs and health, which are all blessings, obviously, in and of themselves. But ultimately, none of these things matter if in the end you lose your soul in hell. That's what Jesus said. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? has all the stuff, all the blessings that the world has to offer, but he loses his soul in hell. So what? 
That's why I want to urge those of you who are here tonight who may not yet be Christians. You've yet to commit your life to Christ, to come to Christ tonight. Why? So that you can count the salvation of your soul as the greatest blessing in your life. The only place you'll ever experience that ultimate blessing of of knowing that your sins are forgiven, that your soul is safe from God's wrath is at the foot of the cross because it was at the cross that God demonstrated his great love, his great mercy for sinners like you and for me. He punished his son, Jesus Christ, in the place of sinners, in the place of those who who would, who would turn away from their sin and who would place their faith in Christ alone as their personal Lord and their Savior. Listen, don't just go through the motions of another Thanksgiving. How many times have we done this, right? We just, it's, it's a routine. We just kind of, we go, we go here, we do this, we say hi to them, we eat some turkey and some stuffing and some pie and we watch some football and, and we just kind of go through the motions, right? Listen, don't go through the motions one more Thanksgiving. Listen, commit your life to Christ, So tomorrow, your blessings will include more than turkeying and dressing and family and friends and a few days off work. Listen, there's nothing better than to be able to praise and thank God that your sins have been pardoned. Your life has been redeemed from the pit of hell and your soul has been renewed because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Well, listen, for those of us who are Christians, there is no better time than Thanksgiving to remember what Christ has done for us so that we could be saved from sin, from death, and from hell. And so no matter what you're going through in your life right now, no matter how bad things might be, listen, you always, always can be thankful for the incredible blessing of our salvation. That should always be the first thing when something goes bad, something goes wrong. The very first thing we should think about is, you know what? Well, at least I'm going to heaven. (laughs) At least I'm going to heaven. Listen, because of God's mercy in our lives, we can sit down at the table tomorrow with food, with family, with friends and say all this and Jesus too. All this. And the bonus prize, Jesus. We get Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy your grace in our lives. We are so undeserving as selfish, ungrateful sinners, rebels, not wanting anything to do with you, and yet you sent your son, even while we were yet sinners, to die for us. Lord, we're sorry that we so often forget how blessed we really are. And Lord, the one blessing that all of us who know Christ can count at any time, anywhere, on any occasion, 
is the blessing of our salvation. And so we just want to say thank you tonight. And Lord, I also just want to ask you to be gracious and merciful to those who are here who have yet to turn from their sin and trust Christ alone for their salvation. Lord, commit their lives to follow him as their Lord, as their master. Lord, that you would use your word tonight through the songs that we've sung and will sing. And Lord, through this message, Lord, that they will be convicted that this is true and it's right and that they need to repent of not giving you the thanks that you deserve as their creator, as their owner, as their controller, and and one day, the one who will judge them. And they'll have to stand before. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would accomplish your work in all of our hearts tonight for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.